This is 680-CJOB. Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show Podcast. On today's show, when you think bobsled and skeleton, Israel probably doesn't come to mind. But a Canadian and an American who represent and compete for Israel, well, they're trying to change that. Hear their story, as well as Kim Davis of the MJHL, the commissioner, on the league's showcase that's holding starting Sunday. And a Winnipeg Westman basketball player named the top male athlete in all of Canada in university sports. He joins the show as well. That's all on the podcast. We're joined now by Dave Nichols and David Graves. David is a Winnipegger who joined Israel's bobsled team back in 2002. Dave Nichols, the first paraplegic to compete in able-bodied competition. I'm going to try to make sure I differentiate between you two gentlemen because you have very similar names, Dave and David, but I'm going to do my best, so I'll welcome you both to the show right now. And uh, well, it looks like we dropped Dave Nichols, but David Graves is here. Dave, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, okay. First of all, uh, David, just uh, your story. How did you get involved in bobsledding in the first place? Well, sort of unlikely story, I guess, but I was uh, living in Calgary with uh, my wife and um, a uh, a good friend of mine uh, was the brother-in-law of one of the guys who was trying to start the team. Um, he's a former Winnipegger, and his name's Richard Nairn. He is the VP of media for the Coyotes, and he worked for the Jets, and when the Jets moved down to Phoenix, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, anyway, uh, they needed an extra guy in Calgary, and uh, so my who would later turn out to be my teammate, Aaron, called his brother-in-law, Rich, in Phoenix, and said, we need a Jewish guy in Calgary. And I happened to be in Calgary at the time, and uh, he said, we'll call Gravy. Uh, that's actually how you can differentiate us. My nickname is Gravy, and everyone calls me Gravy. So call Gravy. He'll do anything. Uh, and sure enough, I found myself in the back of a bobsled a couple weeks later. Uh, I mean, I was an athlete growing up, and so there was an athletic uh, component to this. It wasn't just I was along for the ride. They wanted someone who had some ability uh, in order to pu- push the sled. And um, and that just led to this amazing journey, which culminated for me personally uh, it, in walking in the opening ceremonies of the Olympic Games in Pyeongchang because we had an athlete who qualified in skeleton. Uh, and I'm now the head of the federation. So after 16 years of uh, from that first ride, the bobsled, to, to 2018, um, we found ourselves with an Olympic athlete uh, competing, and I was there um, in support of that program, and it was quite uh, quite a journey. So we now have uh, Dave Nichols on the line. This is totally my fault for pressing the wrong button on the phone. I apologize, Dave, but uh, welcome to the CJB Sports Show. Hey, thanks, for, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. And happy Hanukkah to you both. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, all right. So, uh, Dave, uh, tell me about being the uh, first paraplegic to compete in an able-bodied competition. And this happened recently, did it not? Yeah, it did. Uh, matter of fact, we were in um, Park City, Utah, uh, just uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And uh, it was an awesome, awesome opportunity. And it went really well. A lot of volunteers, a lot of coordination. Um, so, uh it was great. It really was. Uh, it was an honor and a privilege, and uh, just a really awesome, awesome event. Now, for those who don't know, why is uh, why is it tough to be a Paralympic when it comes to bobsleigh? Because, as far as I understand, it's not a Paralympic sport, is it? 
Uh, not just yet. We've been working for the past 14 years, as a matter of fact, to uh, gain full medal uh, status with the International Paralympic Committee. Um, it's taken a long, a long road for the, the tracks to uh, kind of warm up to us all around the world. A lot of recruiting, and it's it's not like um, just basketball or hockey or something like that where you just go out to the rink. So there's a lot of coordination, a lot of equipment, different types of equipment, volunteers, a lot of coordination for a lot of different people um, to uh, to make it happen. So we're still working towards that uh, criteria, and uh, all is not lost for 2022. Um, uh, that's the way I'm thinking anyway. So uh, we're still we're still working towards it, but uh, it's definitely been a challenge. Why did you choose to represent Israel? Um, well, the International Paralympic Committee had set out some criteria for our sport, and we needed to have a minimum of twelve nations at every World Cup. And at some World Cups, we knew we would have thirteen or fourteen; others, we knew we might come up short. So the International Federation and the U.S. Federation, uh, the federation that I've been sliding for, put out a memo asking if anyone had the opportunity or the ability to uh, be a dual citizen and consider racing for another country so we could uh, meet that criteria and that goal. And uh, the opportunity was there. Um, it was uh, really an honor to, to be representing uh, the state of Israel. Um, and uh, participate uh, there with some training and conditioning over in Netanya. I lived there for about three, four months, um, and everyone was just really super warm and welcoming, and they have a great federation, and uh, the support uh, that we've received is, is just amazing. And um, the opportunity was there. It came up and uh, decided to go for it. So it's, it's really been, been an honor and a pleasure so far, so it's pretty exciting. David, for you, you're a Winnipegger who rep, was, yeah. who's been the president of the Olympic Bobsled Skeleton Federation for Israel for about a decade now, and that's something, too, for you that you must feel a lot of pride, especially at that opening ceremonies. Well, listen, it's uh, when we started this journey uh, um, 16 or so years ago, uh, you know, our goal was to, you know, we wanted to make the Olympic Games. Um, but soon after uh, we started, we started to get a lot of... Um, um, like Jewish press, various Jewish newspapers around the country, and people were really interested in what we were doing and really proud that they, uh, in some cases, would see an Israeli flag flying at one of the tracks around the world where it had, they had never flown before in this particular sport. So a lot of things happened in that in those early years that really sort of inspired us to um, to uh, take hold of this really unique opportunity. Um, it turned out that we didn't qualify for the Olympic Games in my era of sliding, but we did for two world championships. And um, as Dave said, it was an honor. And then uh, when we didn't qualify for the Games, uh, I just did not want to give this up. I just felt the camaraderie amongst the nations and the start house is just a real amazing community. And I just really thought I was going to miss it. And we had about a year off, and then I, I started to talk to some skeleton athletes. We brought those athletes into our program, too. So skeleton's on your tummy head first down, sort of on a on a cafeteria tray kind of thing, uh, versus bobsled where you're in this kind of speeding bullet. Um, and uh, the program started to grow, and I, and I felt it was an amazing opportunity if I could um, in some way assist anyone to have even a taste of what my experience was 
um, that that was worth it. It was worth all the, the sacrifice and all the, the late nights and all the different things that we've had to do to make this thing come uh, to fruition. And in the last few years, um, I had uh, four athletes competing for Israel, four guys who became Israeli citizens and really carry that uh, with a great deal of honor. And uh, we had a number of athletes who were eligible to qualify for the Olympic Games. So it wasn't just uh, by kind of a fluke luck of the draw. These are guys who committed three years of their life prior to Korea, um, invested a lot, and to uh, represent them, uh, it was um, one of the greatest things that I've done in my lifetime. And of course, the opening ceremonies, you know, you see it on TV and you wonder, wow, what's it like to walk into that stadium behind your flag? And then to be there, like even just t- saying it right now to you, it's still hard for me to believe it actually happened. I actually sometimes go back and watch my own video that I took so I can kind of remember what it felt like because it was a completely out-of-body out experience. But And now we're heading to Beijing, right? We're now in the program, the next quad, the next four years. We've got um, five new athletes, skeleton athletes, bobsled athletes. We've got a young woman in, in the U.K. who's now sliding for Israel, and she's in Germany right now competing tomorrow and the next day. Um, the program has grown since our Olympic uh, experience, and uh, Dave's been a big part of that, of course, too, because of what he's accomplished. And uh, it's been uh, quite the journey. And for you, Dave, hearing all, all that and the emotions of being a part of that opening ceremony, does that make you want this sport to be included in Paralympics even more now? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's just really exciting. Kind of gives me goosebumps just kind of visualizing and thinking about it. It's definitely been a challenge. Um, I was one of the original athletes 14 years ago. There were four of us that um, kind of had the vision to see this uh, become a Paralympic sport. And um, I'm the only one that's still sliding at this point, but I'm, I'm really excited and, and still just raring to go to see this happen. And I, and I got to say hats off to Windsport and the Calgary Olympic Park because we brought a sled up there um, probably about 12 years ago and they took a chance on us and they, um, you know, as, as many tracks are, have been doing around the world. And, you know, they, they saw that, that we could do it, that we could slide and Canada became the second country on board to support our sport. And so really hats off to the Canada Olympic park and the good folks there at Windsport who supported us through this endeavor and who continue to support us. As a matter of fact, there's a competition coming up there. Some official training will be the 17th of December. And then uh, they'll go until the 21st and 22nd where we'll have two para world cup events there at Calgary. So that's kind of exciting, but just all around, it's great to be a part of this sport. It's great to be a part of the program. You know, you don't feel like you're disabled when you're going 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, 120 kilometers, whatever. Total focus, total concentration, hot runnings, we call it. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. All right. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you both taking time to join the CGB Sports Show tonight. Uh, best of luck in all your future endeavors. And again, happy Hanukkah to you both. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. Huge weekend for Winnipeg Westman basketball player Sean Tarver. Two double-doubles in splitting a pair of games with Brandon and yesterday. He was named the Canada West First Star of the Week. Today, named the U Sports Male Athlete of the Week. The fifth-year student from Baltimore, averaging nearly 20 points a game, over nine rebounds a game this season, and pacing the Westman to an 8-4 and four start. 
and Sean joins the show now. Sean, congratulations. What does it mean to you to receive this honor? Um, I'm very happy. I haven't I haven't really won anything, you know, in my stint as a basketball player, so this is a very huge honor for me. And um, it's, it's, it feels better for my team, too, because, like, all of them are happy for me and everything. All of them gave me uh, congratulations, so that's a good feeling to have. So right now, the Winnipeg Westman basketball team, you're 8-4 and four heading into the holiday break. Is that where you thought you'd be? Um, No, I thought we would be a little higher. You know, we had some games, you know, that we that we lost by a small amount of points. So that meant that we, you know, we could we, we was in the game and we could have won them. But, you know, I, I think 8-4 and four is a good record, especially because previously we haven't, we have, I have never had this record before, so... I'm 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 glad we're here, but I still want to do better, you know. Right. If you look at your four losses, three of them, I I mean, are are you could call them heartbreakers. Two of them in overtime, and then that buzzer beater to Victoria. Do those stick with you looking back, or do you have to just keep focusing on what's ahead of you? Have to keep focus on what's ahead of me because those games, yes, they they were winnable games, and and maybe we should have won them, but we have a next game, and if we focus on the uh, the last game, then we can't focus on that one. And we, we want to win every game. So if you're still dwelling on the past, then there's no way we get to that one. What does your team do well? We encourage each other. Uh, like, to you know, you're competing against a guy in practice, so, you know, for a spot to play. But even though it's, it's, you're still competing, it's like, oh, good job, and or, or you push him to do better. It's, it's, it's that. So because we have that, it's, we always trying to, you know, get better. Like I felt like from the first game to now, we we've, we've increased our you know play and our efforts and our energy. So that's that's what makes our team kind of good. And you've got one of the best offensive attacks in the country. It it's a very I don't want to say guard or heavy lineup, but at the same time, you do a lot of shooting, a lot of shots get up, a lot of rebounding. Is that the idea from head coach Mike Rainbow? Just get your shots up because you guys can shoot it pretty well. Um, it's, it's it's more about mismatches. Like uh, like I I I've played guard before, but because I, you know, I can attack the bigs in a different way. Plus, I rebound. He'll put me at the four. So now we just, you know, we just offense, offense, offense at every position. So it kind of gives us an advantage, and that's 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 where most of that comes from. And you know, we just all happen to be able to hit threes and twos, and, you know, stuff like that. So that's that's the approach we take. This past weekend, you got a ton of rebounds as well. One of the reasons why you received this honor. Why are rebounds important to you? Because you you can't even go on offense, and I love offense. You can't even go on offense without the you know the rebound. So I'm only what six three six four, but I I know the importance of a rebound, and I know how hard it is to get a get a rebound. So in my mind. Is, is get the ball first and then you score second. How far can this team go this year? Um, I believe we can win the Can West. That's just me, but um, I have no doubt, and I, I think we could take it still. What does the next month look like for you now that you uh, don't have a conference game until the fourth of January? Um. We 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 you know we got our break, but we starting back practice tomorrow, so that's that's huge. And I just want to and I and I just want us to do a lot of conditioning, so we won't lose that edge. 
So by time, because we we have a non-conference game at the end of the month uh, in the states. So if we can just like maybe you know fall off a little bit around that time and then pick it back up as soon as we start practice, then I'm I'm fine with that. But we can't you know be satisfied with eight and four and think that you know we can come in the next the next semester and just do the same thing without still being in shape and working on our games. Now you're from Baltimore. Do you get a chance to go home at all? Yes, I, I go home for a week, and I, I'll play a lot of basketball there. It'll be good because it's a different type of basketball too, you know. So I'll I'll stay active. How have you adapted to life in Winnipeg since moving here? Uh, it took it took a long time because you know one of the things you have to get used to is the cold. I mean, and, and it's cold in Baltimore. It snows, but. I thought here was just a whole nother level at first, but you know, being here for two and almost three years, it, you you just get adapted. It, it was easy. Yeah, because I think tonight it's supposed to be minus thirty-two. So. Oh sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, have you had a chance to go skating on the river yet? No, no, I, I don't even know how to skate, and a lot of people give me you know a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> ah, that's fair. I, I mean, hockey's not, I guess, a big deal in Baltimore. No. Nah, nah. Okay, so this is your final season. Do you know what you're gonna do after all said and done? Uh, no, not not as of right now. You know, I mean, I want to play pro, but you know that if that didn't work, I I want to do like sports broadcasting too. So they're the two ideas that I have right now. And plus, I'm a film major, so if I could find any work in film, that'd be wonderful. Why did you come to Winnipeg? Uh, well, I I played junior college, which is community college in the states, and um. I went to school before that, and because I was already a student, and I had a I had a ACL injury too, so that that took off another year of my eligibility. Once I was done community college, I didn't have anywhere else to play. But the rules here was different from um, you know the state, so and I mean the NCAA. So all the schools that I was recruited by the NCAA, they called me and was like, you know, that you have no eligibility. So a guy I know he contacted Coach Mike. And um, that's how I got here, and I was I'm, I'm very grateful for that. You mentioned the basketball is different when you go back to Baltimore. What do you mean by that? Um, it's just intense. Like it's so much. Like it's so more intense than here. But I don't want to like you know say that it's better. I'm just gonna say like the guys that I know is it's a hard fought game. Very hard fought game. It's tough. That's a good way to describe it. Very tough. Is it just pickup? Um, well, I played I played community college home too, so even even then it was it was it was still tough. But even pickup, pickup can get you know, it can get it can get serious, even though it's just a regular pickup game. Fair enough. All right, Sean, uh, anything else you wanna add? Um, I just wanna, you know, uh just give my, my team a, a shout out too. Because without them I wouldn't even have won this award, so I wanna give them a shout out. That's that's all and, and my coaches. Sounds good. All right, Sean. Well, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. Enjoy your whatever break you have going home and whatnot. Happy holiday season, and uh, we'll see you in January. Thanks for having me, and same to you. That is Winnipeg Westman basketball player Sean Tarver, named U Sports Male Athlete of the Week. Stick with the MJHL now, as we do every Wednesday at this time. We'll go now to the phone where we have Kim Davis, league commissioner, on the line. Kim, how are you tonight? Uh, really good, Christian. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Before we get to the MJHL showcase, just should note that uh, three players from your league have been named to 
Team Canada West for the World Junior A Challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big a, a, of a, an accomplishment is that for those three young men? Well, it, it's huge. Uh, you know, the, this event, uh, the World Junior A Challenge, uh, I think it's the 12th or 13th year now that we've had it. And I was so proud when we, when we started it in 06 and, got, and gave the players that play Junior A Hockey an opportunity to, through our partnership with Hockey Canada to to wear the uh, the Team Canada jerseys uh, whenever they earned a spot on these clubs. So it's a very big accomplishment, and um, it, it it gets a lot of scrutiny. Um, there's probably uh, at at the event there will be 200 to 220 NHL scouts throughout the course of the week. Uh, lots of uh, lots of scouts from uh, Major Junior Hockey and lots of uh, NCAA and CIS scouts as well. So. It's it's a really big deal. It, it gives these players a great opportunity to showcase what uh, what they're capable of, uh, in hopes of advancing to to those higher levels uh, and and eventually, obviously, the NHL. So, uh, when you when you add in the mix of uh, the U.S. team that comes, which is primarily made of U.S. Hockey League players, and then uh, a team from Russia and the Czech Republic, uh, it's just a great great opportunity for these young men. Riley Funk from Portage La Prairie plays for the Terriers. Matt Osadek from Grand Point that plays for Swan Valley. And Matthew Radomski from Winnipeg who plays for Steinbeck. The three getting into that uh, coming up yeah. later this month. So the MJHL showcase also coming up shortly, December 9th through 12th. Tell me more about the showcase, why it's a big deal. Yeah, you know, it, it's similar in, in some respects to the World Junior A Challenge in the sense that we, we have this event annually now for close to 15 years so that we give our players an opportunity to showcase their abilities and and again for, uh, under a fair, a fair degree of scrutiny from uh, all the higher levels NHL NCAA Western Hockey League and CIS scouts and and really just uh, gets them a focused opportunity uh, with all the games being played in one facility over a two or three day period uh, and really just uh, gives the players, uh, you know, now it's mid-season, so they're in mid-season form. It gives them a great opportunity to really show these scouts what, they, what they're what they capable of, again, for, for advancement opportunities. And and really that's the focus of it. It's primarily on giving these players, uh, the players in our league, just a, a good showcase opportunity uh, for advancement. And the idea of putting 11 games under one roof over the course of Sunday through Wednesday You've got uh, two games Sunday and then triple headers Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It feels kind of, it's a big kind of tournament feel, but these are just regular season games, right? They're they're regular season games uh, for sure. And, and, and obviously then in that context, I mean, meaningful games for all the players. And, and so, uh, yeah, it, it, we, we actually do uh, technically call it a tournament, uh, but it's really just a bunch of regular season games all in one venue which is, you know, not typical for our league, obviously. So uh, it's it's a pretty big deal, and uh, we're, we're very excited again to be uh, on the cusp of uh, getting it underway for our players. And for a lot of the fans, this is an unusual time of day to watch hockey during the week. you got a 4 o'clock and a 1 o'clock in the afternoon game. So how is that going to work for people attending and for the players as well? It's an, an unusual time for them to be playing on a weekday. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not so much worried about the players. They, they'll just have to adjust, and, and it's all part of the, the training and the development that they're getting. You know, they, they meet with uh, adverse conditions all the time, and so they just have to get used to it and play. Uh, for the fans, uh, actually, I'm more concerned, but uh, you know what? Th- th- these are the times that, that we could make work um, for, you know, in, in order to schedule it in the way that we wanted to. 
And so um, we're, we're certainly hopeful that people will get out regardless of whether it's a one o'clock or four o'clock start and, uh, and, 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 uh, and take in some great action. I mean, it, it, it's really exciting. And uh, we've got, a, once again, this season, a very competitive uh, uh, set of teams this year. Uh, it's really close. You know, there are some teams at the top, obviously, and some at the bottom. But, uh, you know, from top to bottom, you know, we've pretty much got a, a, a league this year where where teams can, you know, any team can beat any other team on any given night. So it's really exciting, and uh, hopefully that's the way it bears out for the rest of the year as well. Well, I got the top two teams in the league going up against one another at 1 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, Portage and Swan Valley, for people to yeah. come out if they want to watch a marquee game. And this is being uh, played at Seven Oaks Sportsplex. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know what? We're, we're very fortunate that that, that game uh, it was scheduled the way it was. Obviously, when we set the schedule back in June, we never know who's going to be at the top of the standings uh, by this time of the year. So it's turning out to be a pretty good uh, a pretty good matchup, that's for sure. Tell me more about the uh, venue that you're going to be playing in because this is a place that a lot of people are going in and out of over the course of uh, four days. You know, um, I, I'm not exactly sure how old it is, but it's three or four years old. The the the, the new, relatively new sportsplex in in Seven Oaks Garden City Community Center, and it's a fabulous facility. Facility, it really is. It's got two pads of ice. We're going to be using just the one, the blue rink, and uh, you know, just a great NHL sized rink. Uh, very bright, very you know, great lighting. The the ice is really good there. Um, and it's got all the other amenities, you know, in terms of dressing rooms for, you know, big, large dressing rooms for, for hockey teams, uh, not only junior teams, but all, all, all users that use the facility. Um, it, it's, um, you know, it, it's got a great, great seating, um, you know, and it's got all the, the, the modern amenities, uh, high-speed internet within the facility for, for people that are always on their, their, their smartphones and that sort of thing during the course of the game and, and in intermissions. We're going to be um, uh, broadcasting all of our games as we typically do uh, through Fast Hockey, a web, our web, digital web streaming service, and it's got uh, super high speed uh, uh, there for uploading the, the broadcasts. And so those will all be in high definition, which they typically are. And uh, those for those people that are are not in Winnipeg that want to see the games, they'll be able to see them through our website uh, on on that service uh, throughout. So. You know the venue is is excellent. It, it's really, really uh, top notch. Uh, one of the better ones that we've that we've been in uh, within the last several years in in Winnipeg for sure. All right, Kim. Well, best of luck for the showcase. It starts Sunday, yeah. December 9th, four thirty p.m. with Winnipeg taking on Nipawa, and it runs through Wednesday. Appreciate you taking time as always yeah. to check in with us here. Yeah, well, that's super, Christian. Thanks a lot for for your interest, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes. This is 680 CJOB. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.